today. We've got a lot of visitors around the house. I titled this message today. Is the podcast started? We're ready to go. Title this message today, You're Full of Something. Right? You get that? You're full of something. So ask yourself this. You're going to hear this a lot of times today. What are you full of? What are you full of? What am I full of? So Mark 6, 4, we're going to start right out on the word. Mark 6, 4 says this. You got Mark 6, 4 back there? But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives. That word right there is what I'm going to key in on today for a little bit. Among his own relatives and in his own house. So among his own relatives, he's talking about a prophet here. A prophet, in other words, is a worker for God, right? A worker for God is without honor among his own family. Often it's our own families that's hardest to talk to, right? They're the hardest to witness to. They don't receive, we don't receive honor from our families because they don't often see us as called and they don't see us as, as called in being a life that comes along the of God, right? You all know that I'm nervous today? Can you tell us I'm a little bit jittery and I'm talking fast? I'll settle down a little bit and we'll preach. It'll be all right. But just so you know, if this is your first time here, I am a participatory preacher. So that means I'm going to need some ha- amens, hallelujahs, head nodding, and I'll try to get my best to get you out of here by noon. If not, we might be here for a while, all right? So your family chooses to remember you for what you've been or what you were instead of what you become, a brand new creation. We become a brand new creation, and, and we help them by not continuing to change, right? We're supposed to continually change. We change some when we get saved, but there's things that we have to continue to do. And I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being perfected, but I'm going to give you a, a formula for that today. Uh, we get so far, and then we get comfortable. We settle. Like we're good enough in that point, and I'm guilty of it as anybody because I'll, I'll I, I quit doing drugs and, and alcohol and all the things that I did when I was in the world. But sometimes we get so spiritual and we get relaxed right there in that part, and we we'll want to stay right there in that spot, and that just seems good enough, and we're comfortable right there instead of continuing to push forward toward God. We have to constantly continue to push forward toward God, is what I'm getting at today. So we don't want to settle. We might change a lot of things, but if it's not continual, it's not good enough, right? I'm not saying that we're not good enough because we have been made good enough through the blood of Jesus Christ, right? His perfection was put on us and our sin was placed onto him. So it's not that we're not good enough by coming through that blood. That's not what I'm preaching today. What I'm preaching is we have to continue to press into God. We have to continue to look more like Christ. I haven't changed enough. I haven't arrived and it's not good enough. What I'm doing is not good enough. I'm being perfected. So ask yourself again today, what are you full of? What are you full of? Matthew 12, 43 through 45 says this. When an unclean, this is Jesus talking, by the way. It's red if you look it up in your Bible. I should give you all time to get in your Bible, right? There's Bibles in the back of the seats if you want to read it for yourself in your own Bible. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Talking about a demon here, right? Or an unclean spirit, a foul spirit. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. What's he talking about? He's talking about that person that he came out of, right? So I'll go back to my house from which I came, and when he comes, he finds, an em- he finds it empty and swept and put in order. If you're reading the King James today, it'll say garnished, but garnished means put in order. This is New King James that we're reading today. So he'll find it empty and put in, pl- put in shape. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they either... And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man was worse than the first. So shall it, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. There's some truth to this. You ever quit smoking before? Any of y'all that smoked? You ever quit smoking or drinking or whatever your bad habit is? When you fall back into that thing, you do it worse than you did before you did it before. Are you following me? You ever notice that? 
It happened to me. I've, I've quit all those things. And when I fell back, I quit smoking umpteen times before God finally took it away from me. But, but, and I'm not preaching against smoking. I'm not preaching against any certain sin today. I'm just telling you, when I fell back into my sin, when I tried to do it on my own, when I fell back into it, it was worse than what it was before. <clears throat> we can't get focused on getting cleaned up, though, getting rid of the sin. That, that becomes, it can become legalism to be focused on constantly just being focused on getting rid of your sin. But we need to be focused on being filled with something else. Right? Instead of that desire for sin. The scripture doesn't say that he came back seven times worse than he was before, before because it wasn't clean. It's not what it says, is it? It says he came back with seven others more wicked than him, than him because it was empty. Because that man wasn't filled with something else. If you're not filling your vessel, if you're not filling your temple, if you're not filling yourself with something like the word or relationship with God. I'm not talking about a relationship like Slick Willie here. I'm talking about a relationship with God or the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one he'll keep you. Right? You got that, didn't you? You heard that at camp, didn't you, Slick, Slick Willie? The Holy Ghost is the one who will keep you. If you're not filling your life with something else, if you're not filling yourself with something else of God, then something else will fill you. Something will get into you, whether it's an addiction. It could be a chemical addiction, a, a drugs and alcohol. It could be a sexual di- addiction. It could be physical. It could be, it could be codependency. I learned that word from you. I knew what it meant all the time, but I never knew there was a term for it. But it could be codependency, the need for someone else. You just have to have somebody else. You could fall, one of those things could get in you. It could be electronics, it could be a TV, it could be a television, all the things that are on television. If you're, if you're spending all your time at night watching television instead of spending time with God, guess what? Those things are going to get into you. They're going to get into you. If you're spending time on the video game, they're going to get, it's going to get into you. Hobbies, whatever that may be. For me, it's cars and guns and my family, right? Those things can get into you. They, they take over your thinking, and you start thinking about those more than you're thinking about God. Maybe it's Facebook. It doesn't have to be something that's necessarily a sin. But if you're putting those things into you more than you're putting God into you, then you're not going to be filled with the right things. That's what I'm talking about today. A lot of times, our mouth is what gets us in trouble. There's a, there's a scripture, I don't remember where it's at exactly, but it says, stay away from ungodly babble, because it leads only deeper into a godless lifestyle. A lot of times, it's conversation that we have with people in the workplace. And it may just be laughing and cutting up and joking and things, and, and maybe a little bit, you know, sometimes we get mean to each other, or not really mean, but in, in a joking kind of way we take it, and then sometimes we take it too far. Me and Brenda have made sure since the beginning of our relationship not to ever even joke with mean things in our relationship, or joke with uh, uh, being ornery toward each other. I'm a little bit ornery toward, toward her. I, I throw her out in front of the public and stuff sometimes, but, but we don't say negative things to each other. Right? We've never let ourselves do that because I've seen too many relationships where it starts off that way as a joke and then it snowballs and they don't know how to get back from that again because once you say some things, you can't unsay them. So a lot of times it's our mouth that gets us in trouble and, and us conversing with other people and pretty soon that junk is getting into us instead of the word of God. Instead of our relationship with God, we're spending more time with the guys at work at the lunch table cutting up and joking in their negative ways, Right? Not that I'm not, not that the only one's negative. I can be negative too. But, but when you're in that situation, when you allow yourself to be in that situation, that negativeness will come out of you instead of the positive part, right? Amen. So the ones that aren't full of God are an easy target for the enemy, though. If you're not filling yourself full of God, look around you. Look at the people who come into church, not just this church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. People who come into church, they get saved. They see their lives change. They get jobs. They get, they get all things start going right for them. Things start happening in their lives. But they don't fill themselves on up with God. They don't continue to, to, to feed on the word. They don't continue to have a relationship with God and, and, and prayer and spending that time. And where are they at? They're no longer here with us, right? Yeah. 
If we would have kept all the people who've been saved in this church since we've been here, if we would have retained half of those people, we'd be building on already. We'd have had to build on it. We'd had to have a couple services a day. But we fall out, right? Don't think that you're immune to that. Don't think that I'm immune to that. Because we could be the next one out the door if we're not filling ourselves with what's right. What are you full of today? Ridding your life of sin is is a two-step process. Both of them are critical. Both of them are crucial. The first one is being saved, of course. You have to ask God into your life. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows how you get saved. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You're white as snow. You're perfect as you're ever going to get right at that moment when you ask God to forgive you. Are you following me? He takes the blood of Jesus and he wipes out all the sin, all your transgression, never to be charged for you again. Says he casts it as far as the east is to the west. Are you following me? White as snow. The second thing that we have to do that we forget about so many times, we have to fill that area with God. This scripture that I just showed you here, it wasn't filled. It was clean and garnished. It was put into shape, put just the way it was supposed to be. Wasn't a speck of dirt in it, but it wasn't filled with what it needed to be filled with. So seven spirits came back even more foul than the first one. So then they had eight spirits in them instead of one. That's not a good trade. Not a good trade-off. So the second step is filling yourself with God. When you fill yourself with God, it pushes out the impurities and it doesn't allow them back into your life, right? So instead of focusing on pushing the sin out, focus on him, the sin will fall off. All those other things will fall off of you, right? It's like when we're brand new Christians and sometimes even as older Christians, we get like this. Picture a tank, a gas tank. We get, it's full of all kinds of junk when we're living in the world. But when we get a little bit of God in us, it pushes some of that junk out. Remember when you first got saved, how joyous you were and how, how zealous you were, and you were ready to charge hell's gates with a water pistol, right? You didn't care who it was. You were going to tell them about God and how good he made you feel and how the things were changing in your life and, and how great he was, right? Remember that part? But then more junk falls into you if you're sitting at home watching your television set. And I'm not, I'm not preaching against television. I'm saying if you spend more time on anything than you do with God, that junk gets into you. And your tank gets overwhelmingly full with that, and it, and, it, and it kind of pushes God out. But if you have a full tank of God, there's no room for any of the junk. God took television from me five or six years ago now, something like that. He didn't take it from me. I still watch it. I still watch football games sometimes. But there was a period of about four years I didn't watch it at all. I came home one day. I'd just been saved. I was a young Christian. I wasn't just saved, but I was a young Christian. I came home, and I was on fire for God. I was reading. I had my Bible all marked up. I was spending time with him. I was listening to podcasts to preach and every good kind of preaching I could listen to. I'd listen to it 10 or 12 hours a day at work when I wasn't talking to my wife on the phone. So I was on fire for God, and I was hungry, and I was putting God in, and it was pushing all the junk out of my life, just pumping it out and pumping it out and pumping it out, right? And I came home one day, and my kids were watching SpongeBob. You'd think it was a harmless cartoon. SpongeBob and Patrick were at a bar in a fist fight. And I told Brenda, call them and tell them to turn it off. We're not paying $100 a month anymore to have that junk pumped in, to have garbage pumped into our house. We're doing everything we can to raise these kids differently, right? So we turned our cable off. We didn't have it. But, but, but I'm not focused on television today. I'm just saying, whatever you're putting into yourself is what you're going to have. What you reap is what you sow. You get where I'm, so, so what are you full of today? What are you full of today? We need a full tank of God. The choice is yours, though. You can have as much or little God as you want to have. As much or as little as you want to have. And where you're at right now is right where you want to be. Because you haven't, we, not you, I'm not preaching down anybody. This hit me right at home this week. We haven't been putting any more time into our relationship with God than we have been. So the fruit that we're bearing is right what we've asked for. We're right where we want to be at. 
church, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I want to push forward. I want a full tank of God, so there's no room in my life for any other junk. I want my family to see God's light shine through my life so my family can make heaven their home. Are you following me? It's critical that we develop this relationship. It's a relationship. I don't want to know the word without knowing who wrote it. Are you following me? A lot of people can learn the word. You can read your Bible. You can study that out. But some people you can tell don't have that relationship. And I'm not picking at those people. But everybody should seek to know God more. It's great to know your word. We need to know our word. It's critical to know our word. But it's also critical to have that relationship with God. I don't want to just know this book. This book is meaningless without God behind it. All the power and the glory and the victory and the promises and all those things that are in here are all great. But without God, they're meaningless. So we need, to know the, we need to know the one who wrote the book. My story this week is this. I, ha, I, I found out this week that I have to resubmerse myself. I'm, people call me a pastor, and I'm supposed to be spiritually up here, but sometimes pastors are spiritually down here. If you want to be honest, we all fall off sometimes from the, from the pulpit to the back row, right? We all fall off sometimes. Not that, not that you get into any big sin, but you just get lulled to sleep kind of. You get lulled away, and, and life happens, and you get in your job and your family, and if you have any hobbies or whatever the things are you like to do, they pull you away from, they pull you out of that, getting your full tank of, of Jesus, right? So, so I, myself, I learned I had to submerge, submerge myself again. I knew I had to, but God just checked me on it. I have to submerge myself again in God, in the Bible, in praying, in praying in tongues, in, in preaching podcasts. I'm a preacher, so I like to hear preaching. Some of you all like music, so you like to hear music. Whatever it is, it needs to be Christian. Are you following me? Because when I'm not doing those things, I'm watching YouTube. And not that I'm watching bad YouTube videos, but I watch YouTube videos about cars. Or I watch YouTube videos about guns. Or I've been having a newfound interest in my guitar again. I've tried to play my guitar, so I get on there and learn a couple new chords or learn part of the neck or whatever it is. It's not necessarily bad things. Are you following me? But what are you full of? What are you full of? Sometimes we're full of work. If we control our minds, we control the battle, the spiritual battle that's going on talking about. If we control our minds, that's where the enemy attacks us in our mind, right? The mind is where you get sidetracked. The mind is where you get pulled off of spiritual things. Are you following me? We can't allow our mind to wander. So ask yourself this question today. Who controls your mind? Who controls where your mind goes and what your mind does? We do. You do. I control my mind and you control your mind. So we have to bring it back into subjection with God. God got on me about this this week, that I have to get my mind more centered back on him. I'm starting to stray a little bit off the side. Are you following me? And if you be honest, some of you all are the same boat. And I know you are, not because I know your business, but I know you are because we're the same. We're all human. He made us all the same. We're not perfect. We're being perfected. Straighten up. Let's get back on the straight and narrow. The world we live in is becoming darker and darker and darker. Look around you. You don't have to go any further than turn the television on. They'll tell you all about it. That's all they want to report on is negative things. But we should be getting brighter and brighter and brighter. The church is. Are you following me? We're supposed to be getting brighter and brighter and brighter through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, through an intimate relationship with God. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. So if the spirit of the man, the candle of the Lord is shining through the spirit of the man, right? It starts off with the mind. We've got to get out of our mind. We've got to get out of our mind and into our spiritual man. Are you following me? He, he, he leads us through our spirit. He shines through our spirit. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit of God, the capital S, speaks to me 
bears witness with me through my spirit, the little s, right? Does that make sense? So since God is speaking through our spirit and to our spirit, right, then the condition of our spirit is paramount. Is it not? Participatory preacher. Are you following me? The condition of your spirit is paramount to you knowing, to you knowing guidance, to you knowing how to make decisions, to you knowing what decisions are made, whether it's right or wrong. Are you following me? Because if you're trying to figure it out in your head, we're going to get jacked up in it. It doesn't work out for us. How did it work before you came to God? Remember the shape your life was in? That was making decisions out of your mind. We're talking about spiritual decisions. Most of the time, though, when we get ready to make a decision, because we haven't learned his voice in small things, right? What we're saying is, was that really me or was that God? Or was that the enemy? Was that the devil? Who was that that gave me that idea? My wife is a perfect example. And this is how I'm honoring her. We were in Mardell's one day, and my cousin had been wanting a voice Bible. We had bought my mom and Andy a voice Bible and ourselves a voice Bible. We, we had pre-ordered them. Um, my mom is my cousin's aunt, so they printed her name on there and spelt it wrong or did it in the wrong font or something, so they gave her a new Bible. So they put a little tag over it, um, and Brenda was, we didn't have a lot of money at the time, and, and uh, she said, I feel like I'm supposed to buy Greg that Bible, but I don't know if it's, if, I don't know if it's God telling me that. I don't know if it's... The, Surely the devil's not going to tell you to buy somebody the Bible they've been wanting, right? So we went back and looked. She's like, that's a lot of money. It's 80 bucks. I don't know about paying 80 bucks and giving it away to somebody. So we went back and looked on the bargain rack, and the Bible that we had bought for my mom a few weeks earlier, a month earlier, so I don't remember the time frame. It's not important. But it was on the bargain rack with a little gold tag over it. You know how they do sometimes? And you can read my mom's name inside the cover of the Bible. So she got it for like half price or something and got the Bible and took it and gave it to Greg. So now he has a voice Bible with my mom's name written inside of it. Right? His aunt's name written inside of it. So that's fine. It's an $80 Bible. For However, however, we get into that sometimes when we get in our head. We're thinking in our head and we're wondering with our head. So, so we're all up into our head, right, when we're making a decision because that's how we think. That's how we work. We want to figure it out on our own, right, Brother Andy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it don't work, we feel discouraged. We get discouraged about it when we can't figure out how to make this decision. Every day in small things... If we develop our spirit every day in small things, we won't be guessing. We won't be guessing when we come to make a decision. Do you realize that it's possible to never make another mistake again if we'd follow the lead of the spirit? What are you full of? What are we full of today? John 14, 16, and 7, Jesus is praying here, and he says, God, send them the comforter. Send them the comforter that they will never be alone. We need to, you need to be more aware that the comforter is always, he lives inside of you. He's always with you. If, we, if we'd realize that, we wouldn't take the comfort of some of the places we go. We wouldn't allow our mind to go to some of the places our mind goes to, even if we aren't physically there. If we realize the comforter lived inside of us and he's watching us all the time. He knows every move we make. He knows every thought we have. You wouldn't allow your mind to go there. We wouldn't do those things. The comforter comes, he said, so he'll never leave us because he's the comforter. He's always the comforter. He's always the guide. He's always leading us. It's kind of like a tour guide. I went on an offshore fishing trip about three years ago, I think it was. I'd have to check with my wife because I'm terrible with time frames. And, and I went out there with, a, with the captain of a boat, and he was a guide, and he had a 55-foot, I thought it was a ship, but it, when we got out there, it tossed us around like it was nothing. I, it had a picture window with a living room in it, and I would look at the sky, and I'd look at the ocean. <laughs> Biggest boat I'd ever been on. However... When he took me out there, the tour guide had already been to the end. He knew how to get out there. He knew where the fish were at. He knew where the, he knew where the cover was on the bottom. He knew where the water dropped off at. He knew how to get back home because when you get out there, there's no landmarks. It's water all the way around you. 
There's nothing. Anybody, anybody got, some of you guys have probably been on a cruise ship. There's nothing around you. The tour guide's already been to the end. Why wouldn't you follow him? If he's been out there and he knows where he caught fish at last time and he knows how to get back home, why would I pay this man and then go out there and say, I'm not going to fish where you brought me to. I'm going to fish over here on the other side of the boat. Good luck to you all back there. That'd be foolish, wouldn't it? It's the same thing we're doing with the Spirit. Same thing we're doing with the Spirit. He knows the end from the beginning. He lives inside of you. He's watching everything that you do all the time. He wants to lead you. He's constantly leading. He's constantly speaking to you. He's constantly guiding you. Yet we want to figure it out on our own. In our own little eight-pound brain. John 17, 20 says this. Jesus was praying. You can go back and read these again later. Write them down if you are. John 17, 20. Jesus was praying and he said, may, we, may they all be in one union. Just like we are. He wants us to be in one union with him and, and God like he is with God. Are you following me? He's talking about a relationship. <clears throat> Can I tell you this? You don't have to be gone to be absent. Some people are sitting in church. Are you following me? Yet they're absent from the Lord. Most people have a better relationship with their tools, with their hobbies, with their yard than they do with God. They take better care of their yard than their spirit. doesn't have to be your yard. Natural things. You fill in the blank. Take care of more care of natural things, better care of natural things than they do with their spirit. Then when it comes to a crisis, they don't know what to do. Call the pastor. Call the church. Get them all on the prayer line. And that's not a bad thing to do. I'm not knocking that. But you should be able to pray yourself. We shouldn't be praying for you. We should be in agreement with you that we're all on the same page. And when we combine our faith together, we're a powerful force to be reckoned with. The enemy can't fool with that. You get what I'm saying? But when you're living spiritually whatever, dead almost, right next to dead, you can't believe for yourself. And if you can't believe for yourself, chances are you're speaking things on yourself that shouldn't be said. Things that you don't really want to happen. Oh, my back is just killing me. Are you follow- Is that what you want to happen? My kids are such brats. Really? Is that what you want for your children? You can go on and on and on. We all have token phrases that we use, right? What are you full of? God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. In 1 Corinthians 1.9 says God called us into fellowship. Called there, that sentence means he called or invited us into a relationship, right? God has invited you into a relationship. So what if you were invited to the White House? Maybe not the White House. Some of y'all don't think much of Trump, I guess. I think he's the best thing I've seen for a while. I don't usually get political, but there's my two cents on that. Maybe it's a sports figure. For some of y'all, maybe it's Jimmy Swaggart, right? He's invited you over to his mansion today, and you're going to have lunch with him. You're going to talk about all the whatever you and sports figures want to talk about, right? Or, Or whoever it is, someone you respect. What would you do? You'd get ready. You'd probably get a haircut if you had hair, right? I'd shave my head off. You might go buy a new suit. You might get a new, a new pair of shoes, right? Get ready. You ain't going to take the old junker car. You're going to take the best car you got down there. Are you following me? You're going to get ready and prepared and prepare yourself and be ready to go over there. Why not more God? Why not more God than a man? We should get up and get ourselves ready and come to church. I'm not talking about, I don't care about your clothes. I don't care what kind of clothes you have. I'll make sure you're wearing clothes, but I don't care what kind of clothes you got on. What I'm talking about is spiritually. We all need to be prepared to come to the house of God, not just to come to the house of God, but if we're prepared ourselves all the time, if we're pouring God in, if we're pouring the word in and we're, and, and we're praying all the time, 
The Bible says without ceasing, pray without ceasing, constantly pouring into our spirit man. When we come here together corporately, we'd be a powerhouse. When your faith is boosted because you're seeing things in your everyday walk, all the time you're seeing things happen. You're used to God showing up when you're by yourself in your prayer closet. Then when you come in together corporately in the church, guess what? Oh, boy. God might just blow the roof off this place. Are you following me? Why not more God then? How much more invite do you need? God sent his son to die on a cross so that you could be reconciled back to him. You control your hunger though, not God. You control what you consume of. You control where you spend your time at. You control where your mind goes. You control what you think about. You control what you spend your almighty dollar on. You control all those things. Your hunger equals motivation. It equals motivation. Sometimes we have to discipline ourselves to do some things we don't like to do. Are you following me? This diet is a perfect example of that. I hated this food when we started. Now I've got used to eating some sugar. I'm a fat boy heart. I'm not kidding you. But 254 pounds is too much for my frame. So I got used to eating some, some sugar-free food and some food that I don't love. Sometimes we still go back and have, we had ice cream with caramel on it yesterday, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. But you get used to some of the other things. Are you following me? So sometimes you have to discipline yourself spiritually. If you can't pray for a half hour, don't try to pray for a half hour. You'll burn yourself out. Give God five minutes. Are you following me? Baby steps, baby steps. You don't have to read a whole book of the Bible. If you do, you're probably going to fall asleep anyway if you're a brand new Christian. Start out reading a verse or two. You don't have to read a chapter. Build up to a paragraph. Are you following me? Build up to a chapter later on down the road somewhere. Just get something and get it in you. Get it into you. Discipline yourself to do that. And when you start doing that, your hunger will grow more and more. Just like when you go back from sugar off that diet. If you start, you have a little bit of sugar, you kind of want it. You start having more and more and more sugar, you really want it. Right? Make sense? It's the same thing with our spiritual man. Our desires shift. If we'll discipline ourselves to want more of God, our desires will shift. And all those other things that we want to judge each other about and the legalism and all that stuff, it'll all just fall off anyway. You won't even have to worry about it anymore. We need to go after God. Ask God to give us a hunger. We control what we hunger after. But if we're asking God and we're seeking after God, he says, knock and the door shall be open. Ask and you'll receive. Did he not? Does he not? It says, if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. So if I start reaching and I ask God, he says he can hold the water of the seas in his hand. Think about that. I may be able to hold an ounce and it's going to be dripping out through my fingers here. Are you following me? But he's so big. How far can he reach? If I reach out this much, how far is he going to go with that? What are you full of? What are you full of today, church? Maybe you're here today and you don't know God at all. If you've been here for a while, I want you to dwell on that. What are you full of? Because there's some things that we probably need to get out of our lives. There were some things I had to get. I had to, not that I necessarily had to get it out of my life, but I had to put it in the back seat where it belonged at, right? Maybe you've got something you need to put in the back seat today. Or, or in the trunk. Maybe just throw it out the window altogether. Maybe, it's, maybe it's, there's some sin in the camp, and you maybe just need to get rid of it. I, I'm not here to judge you today. The Bible says, for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if you know you're doing something wrong, stop it. Get rid of that thing. Turn toward God. That's the definition of repent anyway, right? To turn away from what you're doing wrong and turn toward God with it, right? So if that's you, think about that for a little bit. I need to talk to another group of people. If you're here today... And you don't know God as your Savior. I mean, 100% for sure, if you died today, if Jesus stepped back out on the cloud, 
Can I get every head bowed for a second? Jesus stepped out of the cloud and he came back today. If you don't know 100% for sure that you go to heaven, could I see your hand? Thank you for the hand. Any more? Any other takers today? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. We'll pray publicly and we'll all do it together. Nobody's going to know who you are. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? All right. If we could, could we do the, could we just repeat after me, church? We'll all do it together. Father, Father please forgive me. Please forgive I, know that, I know that I'm a sinner. I know, that I'm a sinner. I know that your son Jesus died on a cross for me. I know he's coming back again someday. I know you rose him from the dead. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. If you said that prayer right there, I believe that you're saved today. You're on your way to heaven. You are sin free, just as blameless as Christ was when he was here on this earth, right? That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. He said that he took our sin and placed it on him and took his righteousness and placed it on us, right? So if you're in the other group of people who, who have something you need to get right with God today, could we go ahead and pray about that now? I'll let you out. Look at this. It's 1159, babe. Shut her down in 30 minutes. My wife pressures me a lot of times to get out of church. Now, don't be going to 1215 or 1230. <laughs> Not very often. Just when she's hungry or she's got something she wants to do. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy, and we praise you, Father God. Lord, I pray that your word not fall on deaf ears today, Father. Lord, I pray that you would just draw us all near to you, Father. Lord, I pray that, that you would quicken us all, Father, to show us what it is that's wrong between us and you, Father. Whether it's big or small, Lord, your word says not one sin will be allowed in heaven, Lord. In my watching YouTube videos, I don't want to keep me out of heaven, Father. Lord, I love you, Daddy, and I praise you, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just have your way in our lives. Lord, strengthen us and guide us, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would, you would strengthen us spiritually, Daddy, and just, just bring us closer to you, Father God, and bring us closer together in an atmosphere thick with love, Father. Lord, we pray you these things in Jesus' name, Father. Keep us safe physically, Father, and bring us back here to the next appointed time with a visitor, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.